Hey guys, it's Ben Juan, and I have Andrew here. Hey guys. Hey guys. And we are talking once again about Batman 1989. It is June 2019, which makes this the 30th anniversary of the 1989 Batman movie. Funny enough, Michael Usland, the producer, says it's technically the 40th anniversary because it took him 10 years to make this goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can find out more details about it in his book, um, The Boy Who Loved Batman, I think is the name of it. I have it right here, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, great book. Uh, loved it. Uh, he had a hell of a time. Once he got the rights of it, he had a hell of a time trying to sell this thing. He even wrote a script, which I would love to read, but I can't find it anywhere on the internet, called Return of the Batman. Really? Um, it was. I don't know if he was serious about it being made so much as he wanted to show it as an example That's of right, yeah, what yeah. it could be. But uh, it's and that was before the Dark Knight Returns. Okay. So I don't know if there was some sort of old Batman or retirement type of thing coming into fruition. But whatever the case is, that was technically the first attempt at this. I don't know much details about it other than what's in that book. But what I do know about is a script from 1982 titled, funny enough. The Batman, just like the upcoming uh, Matt Reeves version. It uh, was written by Tom Mankiewicz, who wrote a few of the James Bond movies with um, Sean Connery in Diamonds Are Forever. And so this Bond connection does not start with Nolan. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, where Lucius is his cue. It starts, I mean, technically it starts as far back as Adam West, because Adam West was offered the, the role of Bond in You Only Live Twice. Wow. And he smartly turned it down because he's like, I'm an American dude. American guy can't play James Bond. That's and crazy. I, was like, I, didn't I agree that. with that. So, uh, <laughs> Mankiewicz wrote the James Bond movies, but more than that, I think they hired him because he was instrumental in Superman, the movie, and Superman 2. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I met him uh, before he died because he came to my school once and I flat out asked him, Who came up with the line, Neil before Zod? And he was like, Me. That's awesome. <laughs> so, he's That's the reason awesome. why they came up. Um, I even brought up, like, Dude, I've even read your, your Batman script. Uh, and he's like, good Lord, how did that end up on the internet? And I was like, I don't know, but I loved it. Um, so he was hired because he was instrumental in those movies. He wrote a lot of it. He wasn't the main writer on it. He wasn't even credited as the main writer on it, but he, he pretty much flat out wrote a lot of the big beats. So, of course, they were to hire the guy who helped bring Superman to life. And uh, I kind of detailed the script a little bit in our Justice League Mortal uh, episode, but I'm going to go mm -hmm. a little bit more into detail of it. Uh, on that episode, I said Justice League Mortal was the greatest DC movie never made. This one may have been one of the greatest Batman solo movies never made because it's essentially what Batman Begins would have been in 1982. Okay, okay. Um, year one type shit. It was year, but it was pre year one. Remember, this is 82. Year one came out in 87. Oh my there was God. no year one. There was like the so only. So this guy was doing new ground in, in the movie. Kind of like like he was deriving from the Untold Legend of the Batman, which is the okay. the comic that I told you I kind of grew up with and didn't really realize I was uh, getting influenced by. It has Joe Chill in it. It has right. a lot of the classic stuff. So it's mostly influenced by the Untold Legend of the Batman as well as the uh, run done by Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers in the 1970s collected as strange apparitions and we're going to be talking that about that a lot because there's a there's an undercurrent there of uh, if it influencing a lot of uh stuff but that's the arc for those who aren't familiar with it that's the arc that has um bruce wayne's love story with silver st cloud uh rupert thorne uh, who most people might remember from the animated series as the guy responsible for harvey turning into two-face um it has the laughing fish uh in it <laughs> and it has the uh hugo strange finding out that bruce wayne's batman uh, also, it has Deadshot, 
uh, the first time they brought back Deadshot and gave him the iconic suit that he has now was okay. in that arc. Uh, so those were the ones that were influencing it. Um, and a lot of the beats were very much like Batman Begins. So, for example, it starts off with an introduction to the Waynes, Thomas and Martha Wayne. We see Martha get the pearls. We see, you know, young Bruce Wayne and everything. Um, in this version, Thomas Wayne is a political candidate for city council, and his main rival is Rupert Thorne. Um, and he takes the night off. Um, this is also kind of like what ended up in Earth One, okay. Jeff Johns, where he was also running for mayor against yeah. Cobblepot, and they went to the movies and everything. So uh, I have I've read Earth One, and right. isn't there one panel where? The guy grabs him and grabs his cape and says, like, a cape. And then he flips over him and he's like, a weapon. And he starts to yes. choke him out with the cape. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's the main fucking panel I remember from Earth One. They need so to do good. more shit with the cape. They should, yeah. Like, tactical cape shit. I think it was Neil Adams who said something. In, yeah, he said something where he would put on a cape. Either he would put on a cape or you'd see someone put on a cape and he would move around and figure out how to move around in it so mm -hmm. that he knew how to draw Batman. Okay. And he realized that Bruce must have trained himself in the cave to wear the cape and be able to move and do the fights and do certain moves in that cape so that it wouldn't trip him up. Oh, you would have to. Yeah. Yeah, you would so, have to. That's, I, love, I always love that detail. Yeah. Um, but anyways, they go to see... They see a nun story with Audrey Hepburn, which is a weird choice. I don't know why. There's no, I don't, but to be fair... I don't even know if the Marcus Zorro was ever established at this point as the movie. So again, like I can't hold that against Mankiewicz because I have to remember this is pre year one. Was it? It was always a movie, even back in the day before um, the Nolan th theater play shit. <laughs> hold on, I'm currently relooking to see. He's got the yes, original run here. The original run. Bill Finger writes some 15 years ago. Thomas Wayne, his wife, and son were walking home from a movie. A movie. So wow. it, never, it never specifies what the movie is. I think it was Miller who came up with the idea it was the Mark of Zorro. But again, Miller wasn't writing any Batman comics in 1982. Mm -hmm. So again, okay. can't blame him for using that. Uh, Joe Chill shows up, kills the Waynes. Bruce, as a kid, stares at him with like this stare that creeps out Joe Chill. And Joe Chill's like, stop staring at me like that kid. Okay. Which is directly from the comic and Untold Legend of the Batman. Um, and... We stay with them, and we find out that Joe Chill was hired by the Joker. Okay. So the Joker's already in the green hair, the white face, the red lips, everything uh, at this point. Uh, but this was the first instance where Joker is responsible for the death of the Waynes. He's just not the gunman in this point. Okay. Uh, in the first draft, Joker kills Joe Chill, but in the second draft, he pays him off and just lets him go. Okay. So that we'll see Joe Chill later. Um, for Bruce, it was interesting because... This is all the Mankiewicz script. This is all the Mankiewicz script, okay. yeah. With Bruce, like, it's not like Batman Begins where he's like, okay, I must fight justice, and then goes off and meets Liam Neeson or anything like, anything like that. We don't see the vow of okay. becoming the fight evil, which, to be fair, isn't in any other live-action version of the origin either. We've never really seen... Right. Yeah, a young Bruce Wayne. I shall become a bat. <laughs> we never really see that. <laughs> or like I swear on the deaths of my parents that, yeah. you know, I will wage my life in war on all criminals type of thing. Right. There's no mentor character. He kind of dives or his therapy is training himself through different thrill seeking. So he does go to karate class. He does learn how to mountain climb and all that type of stuff, but it's never really seen as like he's trained to be a vigilante so much as like he's just trying to cope with this loss that he's had. He uh, does that by thrill seeking. Yes. So it's not uh, necessarily 
training for his crusade. He's not, and it's just kind of more of a coincidence that that stuff ends up happening. That's how Mankiewicz saw this. That's how Mankiewicz did it. Because again, like the idea of Batman traveling around the world and stuff wasn't established yet. Mm -hmm. There was no like training in Asia type of shit at this time. Yeah, that wasn't established until around the time of the '89 movie or so. Yeah, right, right, right. Funny enough, by Sam Hamm, who would have written the final version that we saw. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so I can I can't again can't really blame him. Because it wasn't really in it. Untold Legend of the Batman has a little bit. When you look at like when you if you go back and watch the Adam West Batman, yeah, this this was 1966, yeah, where you don't really have like martial arts like being a thing yet yeah. because Bruce Lee comes out in the 70s. So I think Bruce Lee and like kung fu flicks mm-hmm. don't really they they don't really influence American culture at large just yet. Yeah, that too. So I mean, he does have some karate scenes, but that's about it. It's not like it's not as much as it eventually became, though. Like now, uh, you can't have a fight scene in a movie in any movie almost. I mean, this is '82, so it's post Bruce Lee, but still. But like, I'm but but I'm saying like, you see a Batman with no martial arts influence mm-hmm. when you watch Batman, uh, the, the Adam, West, Adam yeah. West Batman. Yeah, I can like see al- that, yeah. almost no martial arts. It's like basically Western style punches and some kicks, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, but whenever you get to even 89 Batman to a certain degree, and it's definitely by Nolan, mm-hmm. there's definitely like this martial arts influenced Batman. Yeah. So anyway, Absolutely. sorry. Sorry for the yeah, tangent. No Go problem. back to no what, what you're saying. Uh, he does like, ra- he basically does some race car driving, and this one reporter is in a very similar scene to Iron Man, <laughs> where <laughs> the reporter is like, wants to know more about him, wants to do a story, and cut to them in bed together type of thing oh wow so i'm Batman wondering fucks yeah um and uh he's walking out and he sees his family get attacked and mugged and he's like i gotta do something and because he's been trained in karate because he did all the thrill sing stuff he goes after them and he fights off this motorcycle gang but um he realizes he came in too late because the guy had already shot the father before he came in okay so he feels guilty about that and again this is this predates the whole year one thing of mm-hmm. like fighting Selena Kyle and going to East End and everything like that while disguised with a scar across his face. This is literally just Bruce Wayne being Bruce Wayne, um, trying to fight crime and realizing that he lacks an edge. So he goes and sort of goes to Wayne Manor and sort of mourns about it until he discovers the cave. Okay. And he goes into the cave and uh, bats start swarming around him. Mm -hmm. And it's a very familiar image because that's basically what happened to Batman Begins. Yes. Because uh, this is the replacement of the bat flying through the window type of thing. Yeah. All these bats swarm yeah. around him. But in the Mankiewicz version, apparently, he like lets out this like primal like war cry <laughs> as it happens, which is kind of interesting. I don't know if that would have... I don't know how that would have played out why on would film. He, why would he do that? Just because he's afraid? or? Well, I think it's him taking... He has this anger that's been built up that he doesn't... Never really had an outlet for, a true outlet for, and didn't really find it. From so the bats create in him a release... He realizes that's going to be his release from now on. Because after that's, that... That's interesting. Yeah. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. At first, just to kind of pick apart what you were saying, <laughs> right. well, you know, this script, mm-hmm. at first I didn't really like that because I'm so attached to the idea of him making a vow really early on. Yeah, no, same here, absolutely. And him, like, doing this thrill-seeking stuff is sort of against the character in a way because... It's it almost makes it seem like he 
kind of inadvertently becomes a hero. But that's right. the thing is, there's other heroes like that in, in comic books for sure, mm-hmm. kind of become one on, on accident. But I have always seen Batman as, as becoming a hero very much on purpose because he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of makes up for it. I, I mean, I still prefer the traditional one, just like you. Yeah. Yeah. But I can kind of see like, okay, this is. Yeah. He's trying to introduce this or make it palatable, and maybe he thought that you know, Mankiewicz thought that the idea of a kid being like, "I will fight crime," was a little too. I get it. I know? get it. And that him make the the bats and the bats creating a release in him. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. I think that's cool. Yeah. The way it the way it plays out in the Nolan version, it's uh, very different. It's so, like yeah. a it's a baptism. He's, yeah, he's yeah. baptized with bats. Well, he realizes he's born again. Yeah, he realizes the symbol he's going to use. Yeah, type yeah, of thing. yeah. So, um. So we see Batman's first night out. It's kind of like what we saw in Superman, the movie of Superman's first night out, where he stops multiple crimes. Right. He stops this gang member attacking a couple who's going to prom. Then we meet Commissioner Gordon, who's very tired and weary. For some reason, his name is David Gordon. I don't know okay. what it is about these adaptations because they replaced Bruce Banner with David Banner in the Hulk, and now it's instead of James Gordon's is David Gordon. But anyway, maybe Mankiewicz just didn't know what his real first name was. I don't know. Um. <laughs> Gordon just doesn't believe that there's a real Batman until Batman stops a hostage situation. Um, and everybody's, all the different witnesses' reports all across town is about this giant bat. And he's like, well, it must be fucking real, but like, right. what the hell? Um, in the second draft, um, Batman does all this stuff and then goes into a bar in disguise to hear uh, what people are saying about it. And trying to help spread the legend of just like, oh, I heard this, I heard that sort of thing. Trying to help spread his own this legend. This is really fun so far. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he sees in the bar Joe Chill. Oh, shit. Um, and he follows Chill home. And he he comes back in the Batman suit. And he, and he confronts Chill. And he's like, you know, 15 years ago you shot a man and his wife type of thing. And, and Chill's like, you know, don't get away from me. Like, I got a bad heart and things like that. Like... Like what I did was in the past, dude, and everything. And Batman, and Batman keeps saying details, and Chill's like, "How do you know all that?" And Batman takes off his mask, and he says, "Because I saw it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm their son. I'm Bruce Wayne." Yeah. And Chill sees the same look yeah. that Bruce gave him, that that kid gave him, and he's like, "Oh my God, it's you!" Yeah. And he has a heart attack, and then he <laughs> dies, <laughs> uh, based on the guilt that he had done of the of the crime that he had done so long ago. Right. Uh, and Bruce goes back to the Batcave and tells Alfred. And Alfred's like, you didn't. And Bruce is like, no, he, I couldn't. I didn't have a chance to. I didn't. I didn't even know what I was really gonna do to him. Right. And Bruce confesses, it's this is more than just my vengeance. Now I can't. Like it's already done. It has to be uh, more about the city. Right. And everything. That's Which a are, lot of character arc happening in this I, movie. I, wait, this is already more character arcing than Batman '89, the movie. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um. This is this version of the whole Joe Chill thing because Begins had a very different take. Well, everything that, everything's but, lined up and makes sense so far right, it really does yeah, yeah. yeah so I like that it's almost like a, it's almost a complete arc already even though we're maybe less than halfway we're like a quarter through this movie right in the we're, not, we're, we're not in the third act yet we're not even close to the first act <laughs> like, the third right yeah yeah um, so we move into the main plot of the movie now after like an hour of this <laughs> Bruce meets Silver St. Cloud who is like the intern for city councilman Rupert Thorne in this version um, Silver is introduced. I mean, it's the 1980s. Uh, she's introduced coming out of a pool in a bathing suit, just like Honey <laughs> Ryder and Doctor No. Of course. Um, and there's kind of a love triangle with Bruce Silver and Rupert Thorne, which is kind of icky because Rupert is like old enough to be her dad. 
Uh, but anyway, Bruce yeah. is throwing a birthday party for Commissioner Gordon that night and, you know, gets to know, you know, Silver over there. And the birthday party gets hijacked by the Joker. Okay. Um, and Bruce is like, you know, he's pissed off about this. And Silver can see it and she sees his nervous tell, which is like his jaw twitching um, and everything. Uh, the Joker leaves and Gordon just feels disgraced because, like, he feels the police department is a joke now because they can't stop this guy. Okay. So he's depressed. Um, he's in his office and Batman shows up uh, and tries to convince Gordon that they should become partners. Gordon pulls a gun on him and says, you know, you're under arrest, you're a vigilante, everything like that. And Batman's like, you know, you know you need me type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, all, this is also a scene in Untold Legend of the Batman that Mankiewicz was adapting. And he's like, you know, if you don't, and if you don't believe we can work together, then you might as well pull the trigger okay. type of thing. Uh, and Gordon thinks about it, and instead of pulling the trigger, he shakes his hand. And then we cut to, like, Batman and Gordon are now working together against, like, evil and everything, and the bat signal is, is created and, and, and everything. It's So far, this is better than my nostalgia-filled Batman 89. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, it's like they read this and they were like, nope, this makes too much sense. <laughs> this makes too much. We're going to just yeah. fuck with it now. Um, Batman, now here's where things get a little more on the 60s side, is that Batman is like now this public hero and has all these public appearances. The mayor wants to give him a key to the city type of stuff. Yeah, so see, I don't, I don't like that. See, part. I don't see this yeah. immediately like, but again, yeah. like think this is pre Miller, like this is pre urban yeah. legend right, type right. Batman type stuff. So yes, it is reminiscent of Schumacher and, and Adam West type stuff, but also like we only associate it with those because those, those are the only other adaptations that did that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something that was in still the forties comics and everything. Uh, anyways, the Joker is sick of Batman going after him. Okay. So he hires the penguin in the first draft. He hires the penguin. Uh, to go after Batman. And they sort of set him up by having um, uh, Rupert Thorne kind of quote-unquote kidnapped, even though Thorne's working with Joker right, uh, and everything. Silver St. Cloud ends up accidentally walking into it, and they have to knock her out and everything. Okay, Batman gets called to it. Rupert Thorne pretends that, oh, Joker like put me in danger and everything like that. And Batman's like, you know, okay, well, I'll escort Miss St. Cloud home. Okay. And everything, which Thorne doesn't like because he knows what the plan is, which is that, you know, if they've baited Batman to that location, now Penguin's going to go after him. Right. So this is where we have the Batmobile chase. Okay. Where Penguin is chasing after Bat- the Batman, Batmobile and everything. The chase is going on. Penguin's on like that whirly umbrella thing <laughs> and everything. It's it's so comic booky, but it's amazing. Um, <laughs> sounds It sounds fun though. Yeah. yeah. It's, it sounds good. And the Batmobile yeah. jumps off rooftops. It's like the Thumbler. In 82. This is in 82, yeah. And during this Batmobile chase, Silver looks over at Batman, and Batman's jaw twitches. Was this part of the thing? This was part of uh, Batman's lore is that he had a fucking jaw twitch? No, 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 that's Mankiewicz. This is just something he had just for a plot device? Well, in the original arc, Silver St. Cloud talks about how since she's been intimate with Bruce Wayne, she knows what his chin looks like. So when she sees Batman, she can like she can recognize him under the cowl. Women's intuition, some shit like that. that yeah, yeah, she was okay. technically the first to figure it out. So gotcha. Mako was just kind of giving an explanation to that. Right. Um, she so she kind of figures out. Okay, he's I, I think Bruce is Batman. What do I do with this information? That right. type of thing. Right. Immediately afterwards, Joker hijacks the airwaves, and he says, "Batman, if you show up in public again." I will kill somebody and I will kill somebody every time that you show up in public again, which mm-hmm. is kind of like a precursor to Joker's like 
if Batman doesn't take off his mask, people will die type right. of thing. Right. So Bruce is like, well, I got to stay in the shadows. I can't like, I got to figure out a way to stop Joker without being Batman. Right. Thing is, this is the Joker. <laughs> so Joker has an imposter Batman show up to different <laughs> events and then starts killing people to frame Batman and everything. So he God uses... Damn, man. There's yeah. so much going on I in know, this movie. Right? He, so he... But Imposter Batman shows up, the mayor dies, and guess who becomes the mayor? Rupert Thorne. Oh, okay. So there's all these all guys right. working together. So Bruce and Silver... Bruce, Silver sees what's going on, and she's like, I'm disappointed in the Batman type of thing. I guess Bruce isn't Batman because she sees the Imposter Batman and Bruce in the same room okay. type of thing. So they get together, and Bruce, you're going to laugh... Uh, decides, I'm going to take Silver to the circus. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> um, the the execs flying really, Graysons are execs there. really wanted to have Robin in the first Batman movie. Yeah. they want. We want Batman, Joker, Penguin, and Robin. And all the writers are like, you got to be fucking kidding me. i got to explain all four of these guys. Right. So, <laughs> right. Um, the imposter Batman shows up again. And Joker shows up and is like, well, at Bat- the circus. At the circus. And Joker's okay. like, well, Batman's here, so i got to kill people. And kills the Graysons, <laughs> and Dick Grayson is like, "I want to kill the Batman." Man, and getting convoluted here. <laughs> I know. Bruce adopts Dick Grayson, and at the same time that Batman is basically publicly publicly condemned because they're just like, "You're, you know, you have no faith in the city. Like, you you don't care about the city anymore. You're showing up and everything. You're practically murdering these people and everything." Because they make Joker has the imposter Batman be like, "You know, I used to care about you guys, but now like you can all go to hell type of thing." So it's very much playing up, playing that side up. Uh, Thorn wants to make a play to get with Silver St. Cloud, so he arranges for Joker to kidnap Silver so he can quote unquote rescue her and defeat the Batman for good. Okay. It's very complicated. This is where like things kind of go off the rails because beforehand I'm like, okay, everything lines up, and now we're getting into like, okay, there's there's too many villains. There's Robin now and everything. It was, I mean, it was. It's been. It's okay. So I yeah. mean, it's hard to tell in these first drafts. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, what and it would have been, been revised about. too. Like in the revi- yeah. the revised version, there was no Penguin at least. Um, but even this, then, Penguin wasn't really that big. Of, he wasn't really a flaw. Burton was hard against Robin too, right? Burton, Burton didn't really did like Robin. Robin. He just didn't understand the idea of of Robin or why he needed to be there. He just liked, because Burns very attracted to outcasts and loners, so he didn't like the idea of that. Dark not- imagery, too. You got a guy in a red suit, he automatically, he doesn't even like, yeah. I don't, I'm sure he's, like, red, green, mm-hmm. and yellow. That yeah, in and exactly. of itself, like, Burton's not about those colors. Nope. So, <laughs> Batman decides, uh, hey, I'm going to rescue Silver St. Cloud from this kidnapping thing. Um, and at the same time, Dick Grayson stumbles on the Batcave. And overhears Bruce talking to Alfred about what's really going on. And Dick realizes that Batman's not the villain. It's the Joker. Okay. Uh, Batman goes to rescue Silver St. Cloud. And now we're in full 1940s Dick spraying giant props type stuff. Oh, there's a yeah? museum with like a giant typewriter and stuff like that. Really? They pay homage to that? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so Joker keeps Silver and Batman hostage on the typewriter. And like every time that Joker shoots a letter, it could like potentially kill him type of thing. Uh, Robin shows up to the rescue, and now it's Batman and Robin fighting Joker and everything. Okay. Rupert still wants to. Uh, Rupert Thorne still wants to rescue Silver. However, in the crossfire, Silver Saint Cloud gets shot accidentally. Uh, Batman figures out. Uh, there's this whole other subplot in the second draft where Rupert Thorne, for whatever reason, still has the pearls that, of Martha Wayne <laughs> and gives them to Silver Saint Cloud, and uh, Bruce sees them on Silver and asks where she got them, and Silver says from Rupert. 
and he, Batman puts it together that Rupert Thorne was behind the death of his parents. Okay. And he... Minor detective stuff yeah. going on here. <laughs> Some minor detective. So he sends Rupert Thorne... This Batman kills again. <laughs> he sends Rupert Thorne into a giant pencil sharpener where he gets ground up. What? Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> In the That's, original draft, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, okay, sure. <laughs> In the it original draft, fun, I guess. <laughs> In the original draft, Silver Saint Cloud dies. Uh, in the second draft, she lives. I don't really like the idea of her dying because then it just it ends on such a downer, dude. And it's like this is not that type of movie. <laughs> like, it's, right? Yeah, you got people dying yeah. in pencil sharpeners and shit. Like, got, this yeah, is a very lighthearted film. Yeah, Joker still alive at the end, and then Batman and Robin are off for new adventures, and that's how it ends. Um, this like three hour Batman movie. It's not it sounds quite long. <laughs> Usually the first draft is long though, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, it depends. Um, so yeah, last bit isn't as strong as the rest. The Joker in this version is a little light, honestly, in terms of his personality. Like he just oh, has a yeah. lot of bad jokes, um, and he kind of works for Rupert Thorne the whole time. Um, so it's not it, the best version of Joker. Even at this time. They have Jack Nicholson in mind. Even yeah. So they asked Tom Mankiewicz like who he had in mind for the casting, and he's like, it's probably go Christopher Reeve with an unknown as Batman, uh, have David Niven as Alfred, William Holden as Gordon, um, Peter O'Toole as the Penguin. That's interesting. Hmm. Uh, and Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Right. Um, Peter O'Toole. Well. Wow. Yeah. Now here's. I kind of, as a little treat for you guys, I kind of fan cast this own movie in terms of like who I would have cast. Oh yeah, okay, that sounds good. Yeah. So I'm gonna go in the order of the you know basically least important roles to most important. Um, this is based off of these are people who weren't cast in the actual roles later on. Okay. I decided to restrict myself from that because otherwise I'd be cheating. Also, yeah. I wanted to pick people who would have realistically been cast. Okay. I'm not going to cast uh, somebody. I'm not going to cast like William Dafoe at a time where William Dafoe wasn't in movies. You know. Yeah, right. I do somebody actually right. working at the time. So for Penguin, even though Penguin was cut for the second draft, um, Mankiewicz wanted Peter O'Toole, but I felt O'Toole is a little old at the time. He's a little too thin. I want yeah a plump Penguin. <laughs> um, but I also like the idea of a British actor as Penguin, and I like the idea of kind of doing what they did with Terrence Stamp with Zod, where like. It's a dude who's not super well-known, but you kind of introduce him in the first one so he can be a villain in the second one. Right. So it would have to be somebody who was a British actor who was around at the time in a few movies, but not super well-known, who could have made it big. So my Penguin for this draft would be Brian Cox, the original Hannibal Lecter, who I think could have been a really interesting Penguin or a creepy Penguin, if need be. Um, For Silver St. Cloud, I was looking for anybody who was like a young star at the time. Uh, Daryl Hannah had just done Blade Runner, so I'm just like, sure. Yeah. She hadn't done Splash yeah. yet. I would have been young at the right age. Uh, Rupert Thorne, I originally thought maybe Brando, but Brando had already retired from acting at the time. Okay. I thought maybe Orson Welles, but Orson Welles was 68, and him trying to romance Daryl Hannah was not going to happen yeah, in my book. right. So uh, my choice is Albert Finney. Okay. Um, yeah. he, was, he was, you know, rotund. He can definitely play that type of role. He would have been perfect for the role you, you can't have somebody too big as Rupert Thorne because he has to kind of come in under the radar because mm-hmm. he's kind of the surprise villain in this uh, Robin um, right off the heels of E.T. and having been cast in The Outsiders I have C. Thomas Howell okay. uh, yeah, as Robin he would have been 16 at the time uh, Gordon Mankiewicz choices was uh, William Holden but William Holden like died the year after oh my god <laughs> he, he was his choice so 
my choice is uh, Lee Van Cleef. Okay. He would have been 58 at the time, has the bushy mustache, uh-huh. kind of played a Gordon-type role and escaped from uh, New York. So that's who I'd have in that. Uh, Alfred, that's where I'd put Peter O'Toole. Okay. This is the biggest role of Alfred in it, uh, mm-hmm. uh, pre-begins. So oh, he's need, pretty important in this movie. Yeah, because he helps raise Batman and everything, and even after he becomes Batman, he's in like almost every scene with Bruce. Okay. So you definitely would need like a, a well-known British actor for that. Um. Here's where things get interesting. Uh, the Joker. Um, originally, one of the actor, one of the directors they were looking for was the guy from Gremlins, I think, uh, Joe Dante, mm-hmm. and he was more interested in Joker than Batman, which is why he left the project. But his choice for Joker was John Lithgow. Okay. Uh, at it. Yeah. I have a different choice because this Joker, because Mankiewicz wanted, you know, he wanted Lithgow, Mankiewicz wanted Nicholson. This Joker's kind of more comedic. Yeah. Yeah, still dangerous. Um, and even though this Joker's supposed to be older than Bruce Wayne. My choice isn't that much older, honestly. Robin Williams, yeah, yeah, thirty-two at the time. Yeah. He, he had already started in Popeye, so he was already somewhat. He wasn't like as big of a star later on, mm-hmm. but he could have done it. He would have been the perfect age, and we've seen in his later work he can definitely play creepy. Definitely, yeah, be. he had the creepy side for sure. Yeah, um, which leaves, surprised me at all. Yeah, which leaves Batman. Now they probably would have gone for an unknown at the time, but I'm like, who would have kind of been an unknown? that was on the rise and up and up. Like you would look for Chris Hemsworth type where yeah, yeah. Hemsworth was an unknown, but he was in other stuff beforehand. Yeah, he was in a Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so at the time, he was 27, also Australian, but technically American. Uh, Mel Gibson. <laughs> I mean, controversial later on in Controversial life. later on, but at the time, at he would have just been wasn't. Mad Max, had the square jaw, black hair, yeah, and everything. Yeah. Like he could have, he could have, we could have seen Gibson versus Robin Williams. In this, if that, <laughs> yeah, that would be my fan cast. That would be good. So, that is the Mankiewicz version. Okay, of the Batman. That was uh, that was good. I feel like the stuff you said earlier on, I would have kept almost all of that. Yes, some of the later <laughs> stuff in the script, I would maybe have changed when it gets a little crowded. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So after the Mankiewicz, the reason why this didn't work is because um, Burton came on board. And he didn't like the fact that it was so much like Superman the movie. Okay. In terms of the structure of it. Yeah. He wanted something a little bit more, uh, I don't know, he was more interested in different ways to go about it. But I think he tried to toy around with it because there's a different treatment that he wrote with his girlfriend at the time, Julie Hickson. Burton wrote a script? Burton wrote a treatment. Really? And it also starts with The Death of the Waynes. It also does the origin thing. Yeah. The main difference is, is uh, they're all at a co- It's very Burton esque. It feels like they all go to a costume party where Thomas Wayne is in a bat suit. <laughs> that's like that's that's the sign of somebody that doesn't know the comics very well. That's what that feels like. Thomas Wayne dies in a bat suit. Really? Yes. <laughs> See, that's that people would have been up in fucking arms, dude. Well, I mean, they're trying to go off of the. There's an old comic, and it's in Untold Legend of the Batman, where Thomas Wayne did go to a party dressed in a bat suit. And okay. rescue a mobster who was the mobster who hired Joe Chill to kill him. So they were saying that technically Thomas Wayne was the first Batman, which is probably why they do the whole Flashpoint Batman thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because of a tribute to that story. What the fuck? <laughs> so Burton actually was referencing comics then. He was he was referencing a lot of stuff. Like Uslan did say in the, the Boy Love Batman that he gave Burton um, a lot of the original Bob Kane run, the mm-hmm. Steve Englehart stuff. Um 
but you can definitely see the influence of um, not necessarily Mankiewicz, but ideas that would come up in the later movie. So they get killed by, not by a mugger, but an ice cream truck comes by and a 17-year-old Joker (laughs) kills them. And you're left with this creepy image of Bruce Wayne over the bodies of his parents as the ice cream truck drives off with the sort of music box type music playing that, off that, as it goes off. That music that's always at that, that's yeah in an know, ice cream truck. Ice cream truck yeah. music. Yeah, I kind of when I when I first read that, I was picturing like the Joker theme from the the Elfman Joker theme from the from the movie. You know, when they're doing that whole waltz thing at the end of the cathedral. I can see this like slow motion. It's yeah. going away. So the guys, the Joker smiling in the truck. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So. There's that, but it's way too fucking crowded. Like it's it's only eighty something pages, but not only does it have Batman, it also has uh, Robin in it because I think he was forced to do it. He's described as uh, a pale skinned, at the point of ghostly, defined by an alert little face and carrot colored hair, sort of a new wave artful dodger. That doesn't sound like the original Robin at all, but that's kind of like why can't they just follow the fucking <laughs> comic man? And also. Um, in Robin's origin, uh, Joker shows up, but he's there with Penguin, Riddler, and Catwoman. And it's Catwoman who puts the acid on the ropes for the trapeze. So What? Why? <laughs> I don't know. He was trying to fit I know she's gray area, but Jesus. In it. Um, honestly, some of the best stuff, though, is um, Gordon has a, has a big role. In this, which is weird because he doesn't have a big role at all in the movies. Right. Gordon is like a family friend. He sees Bruce as like a second son, gives him a lot of advice and guidance, but doesn't know that Bruce is also Batman. Um, and the okay. ending is Bruce Wayne beating up Joker at the point of killing him, almost killing him, but then Gordon is the one who stops him. Bruce Wayne does. Sorry, sorry it was Batman. Batman, it's Batman trying okay, to beat up Joker, gotcha, and, it's, gotcha. and it's Gordon who pretty much stops him. Okay, which feels like it's right out of Hush, even though Hush wasn't even written at the time. It's not a bad idea. That 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 part's good. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just summarizing these real quick because it was like a very short, eighty-page thing. Um, this wasn't so. So this wasn't based on Mankiewicz at all. They they were like, hey, I think make something completely different. It reads like he was trying to fuse his ideas with Mankiewicz's ideas because okay. I don't think he really was that into doing an origin. He wasn't that into doing Robin. But it's like, okay, if they're forcing me to do it, here's how I would do it. And it's really fucking crowded. And there's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff you see in the early drafts that did make it to the original film or later drafts. So like in the Mankiewicz version, Joker blows up a television. Okay. It was in the final movie. Yeah. In uh in the uh treatment stuff that you see, you see uh Joker flying off in a like rocket rocket Christmas tree, which is like in that <laughs> animated cartoon of <laughs> of Christmas with the Joker. Joker tries to do the whole like <laughs> I'm pretty funny yeah. actually. Joker tries to do the whole like I want to become mayor type of thing, which is what uh Penguin would do in Batman Returns. Right. There's a whole bunch of shit in this that like it's like the ideas individually are good, but if you put it in one movie, it's a fucking mess. Yeah. So you're saying that overall this is a little bit worse than Mankiewicz's? It was way worse than Mankiewicz's. Okay. This is one where I'm just like, uh, I'm not going to bother fan casting this because this isn't, doesn't feel like it's, it doesn't really feel like it's a real effort from Burton on what he really wanted to do. It feels more like, okay, if I'm forced to put in Robin and stuff, here's how I would try to do it. Um, you read, but you read this 
beginning to end. I did read it. Beginning. It was it's a only slog. eight pages. It was well, it's not necessarily a slog. It's just more like this doesn't work as a movie. This is so fucking. This would be like a three-hour movie that would be such a mess. There's no arc to anything, or um, I mean, there's a vague one of of the usual stuff of, of Bruce becoming Batman and things like that, but that's okay. about it. Right. Um, the afterwards they're like we can't get this to work so let's go right to the source and they went right to steve engelhart the writer of laughing fish okay and they're like let's have you do your take so he did two treatments i've only read excerpts of them because they're on the on his website but what's interesting full versions are not up full versions are not up i would steve if you're out there i would love to read it uh <laughs> what's interesting is that his take on so he has one version where joker's joker kills the graysons shocker uh, and he has another version that starts off with the Wayne murders, and after the Wayne murders, the person who comforts him at the funeral is Jim Gordon. Okay. Now, this seems like, okay, no shit, but you got to keep in mind at the time that that wasn't a thing. Okay, they're, they're was, adding to the mythos. This was not in, like, Begins had it, but that was late. That was Begins. Gotham built a whole TV show around it, but this was the first time I can ever track of Gordon actually being around at the time of mm-hmm. the the Waynes being killed. Hey everybody, it's Andrew. I just wanted to tell you about our friend Israel's retro gaming shop, RetroCo. If you go to retro-ko.com, you'll be able to see all of his retro gaming goodies. If you wanted to get that Sega Saturn hidden gem from back in the day, or if you wanted to get the Famicom disc system that you never got as a kid, or any other type of retro game that you were into or uh, import game, please go to RetroCo.com. That's Retro-KO.com. And if you use the Superhouse code Johnson's Ballsack, you'll be able to get a little bit of a discount at checkout. So please, once again, if you could just go to RetroCo.com, you can also go to Facebook.com slash RetroCo with no hyphen. That's R-E-T-R-O-K-O. You'll be able to find him on Facebook as well. If you were looking for that PlayStation import game that you never got, if you were looking for that Mega Drive game that you never got, or any other kind of retro game, any import game, it could even be European, Israel also curates bundles at RetroCo, and he'll curate that bundle just for you. So please, go check him out. If you put in the code Johnson's Ballsack at checkout, you'll receive a Superhouse discount. Uh, and then it ends kind of where Joker and Bat- Joker's facing off against Batman and Robin, and he gets electrocuted on, like, they're, like, in a Ferris wheel, and Joker gets electrocuted and falls in the water, but it's, like, okay. left open that maybe he's still alive. Okay. Uh, and then Silver Saint Cloud does her whole speech to Batman that she does at the end of Sign of the Joker, where she's like, I know you're Bruce Wayne and everything, but I can't picture the man I love, like, not knowing if he'll come back alive and everything like that. So Silver Saint Cloud became Vicky Vale. Right. Well, here's here's the thing. Steve Englehart claims that they basically used his treatments without giving him any credit and turned Silver Saint Cloud into Vicky Vale and turned uh, Rupert Thorne into Carl Grissom. Gotcha. Okay. Here are my thoughts on that. Um, Vicky Vale was in the comics way earlier than Silver Saint Cloud. Okay. And the version that's in the movie is kind of like it. It's still very like there's very little of Silver Saint Cloud in the actual movie. Other than the fact that she figures out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. But to be honest, I don't think that's that unique to Silver St. Cloud. I think any Hollywood no. screenwriter would put that into the love uh, subplot, into the movie. You know? it, it, 
I know I'm not I'm definitely not the first person to ever think this, but it's definitely like she harkens back to Lois Lane. She's yeah, got an alliterative name, and she was a fucking reporter. Of course, and, yeah, she was. She yeah. was like she was absolutely the the Lois Lane. Yeah, of the um, of the Batman. Was he Batman his first was. love interest in the comics? Uh, Julie Madison was. Julie Madison, okay. Which um, who showed up in uh, Batman and Robin? But <laughs> said about the better. Wow. <laughs> side but, side note on a cultural tangent here, yeah. but I one time showed the Nolan trilogy to some Japanese friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had never seen, I don't think, any Batman movie before at all. Yeah. And they said going into it that they thought that Batman was a stoic character that, <laughs> like, didn't have sex. And I was yeah. like, you are wrong about you are that one. so wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Batman fucks, man. Yeah. So, uh, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, I'm showing Andrew now from the original Bob Kane one of oh. the Julie Madison, Bob Kane, Bill Finger. Julie Madison is in the Batmobile with Batman and is wondering why Batman won't talk to her, <laughs> which is basically what was in the Descent into Mystery drive up to the Batcave type of thing. Uh, these comics were... You won't tell me a thing. Yeah, well, obviously they, they didn't give that dialogue to... Uh, didn't give that dialogue to Kim Basinger. Yeah. But uh, it, you can't deny that this was an influence on There's a lot of different images and imagery that they uh, put in the final movie because it Uslan was very much like, I don't want the Adam West Batman. I want the Bob Kane, Bill Finger Batman type of thing. Yeah. In this. Yeah. Uh, That's totally what he was going for. Yeah. Uh, Harking back to Steve Englehart, Carl Grissom and Rupert Thorne. I'm just like, okay. I mean, Carl Grissom's character was described as fat in the original script. Jack Palance is a lot thinner than that. But yeah. other than that, I'm just like, okay, they're both mob bosses. You could maybe stretch it that, like, in the comics, Rupert Thorne thinks that he's killed Hugo Strange, and then Hugo Strange supposedly comes back from the dead to haunt him, just like Jack Napier comes back from the dead to haunt Carl Grissom. But again, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't really think you need to, like... You could have called him Rupert Thorne, or you could have not called him Rupert Thorne, but he's not so obviously Rupert Thorne that, you know, it bothers me. Um, Lieutenant Eckhart seems to be loosely based off of Bullock. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Bullock started off as a corrupt cop working for Thorne. Right. In the comics. Right. Uh, but, again, I'm just like, I don't really mind that they, they changed the name so much. Um, Englehart claims that, oh, you know, they use my arc for the movie, but there's not there's, just, there's not really enough in there. So much of an arc going on in the final film anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't really, I don't agree with him. I, I mean, look, the, his, I reread his comic recently on DC Universe, and it's iconic stuff. It's, it's great stuff. But it's also not really in 89. So, his claim, he claims that his other more recent stuff was ripped off in Dark Knight. I didn't really agree with that either, because I've read both of, both that and everything. I'm like, look, you guys, your your stuff is fine. You know, stuff is great on its own, so is the so are the movies. Like, there's going to be some crossovers here and there. So, yeah, yeah. I don't agree with that. Um, so, those are all the ones leading up to the Sam Ham vision, which is going to be the most interesting one for you, because you just saw the movie. Yeah. And now I'm going to go into all the stuff. Okay. But... Depends on how much time we have. Do you think we should split this and put this into another episode? Um, how long do you think it'll take? Probably so just that, as long as me talking about Mankiewicz. <laughs> uh, that wasn't too long. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. And let's it, get it all. Worst comes to worst, you can just edit it. It's a long episode, maybe. Well, <laughs> let's just let's just see how it goes. Um, I'm willing to just fucking okay. power through if you can. Okay. Cool. Uh, so Sam Ham was hired uh, by Burton. Burton's like, I don't want to do the origin 
And Ham's like, I agree with you. I don't want to do the origin because I don't think you need to have the audience sit through 30 minutes to an hour to wait for him to put on a bat suit, ironically, since right, that's right. what would end up happening in Batman Begins, one of the greatest Batman movies. But anyway, that wasn't made at the time. Right. This He was very much, if if Burton was Nolan, Ham was Goyer as the guy who like knew the Batman mythos uh, and had an idea of where to go with it. And his pitch to Burton was, Batman's a lunatic. He's insane. Right. What happens if he becomes sane? So if you read the original script, it starts out almost exactly the same as the movie. Okay. Um, but there's some cool images that start cropping up. So like there's one image where the mugger's on the rooftop. They're like firing at Batman, and the guy's so scared that he keeps firing even though there's nothing in the chamber. You okay. You just hear click, 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 yeah, click, click, click. Yeah. And Batman pulls him up, and as he pulls him close to his face, all the mugger sees reflected back to him is his own reflection because Batman's got the lenses. Oh, shit. And so he sees his own fear back at him. Ah, like the white lenses. mm -hmm. Yeah. And Batman, in the original draft, uh, he just tells the the mugger, tell your friends, tell all your friends. And he just throws them off, and that's it. Not throws them off the roof, but throws them back on. Right, 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 right. Um, Later on, in a later draft, it was like the guy being like, you know, you don't own the knight. And Batman says, tell your friends, tell all your friends. I am the knight, and then throws him <laughs> off. Um, there was no I'm Batman. Keaton apparently came up with that on the set, which... Well, it's not a hard thing to come up with, I know, I, I know. But, I mean, also, it kind of kickstarted the whole... I don't think there was a whole, you know, I'm Batman type of meme type thing at the time before that. It even carries over into Endgame, where he says, I am Iron Man. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could see that. I mean... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, that, I could see that being a very organic yeah, yeah. thing. So um, Maybe maybe they didn't think about that at first because they thought it would be too on the nose. Maybe. Uh, it's a possibility. But he, yeah. yeah, that's all he says. Tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Um, we still have the Harvey Dent scene. And then afterwards, we meet Jack Napier, who is said to be 32 years old. Okay. Not Jack Nicholson. <laughs> right. He's said to be almost feminine in features. Not Jack Nicholson. Right. <laughs> Supposed to be a pretty boy. Everybody says, like, oh, like you're a pretty boy. Everything's like that. Like, look at Jack. That sort of thing. So vain. I'm like, that's not really. When I first read this, I'm like, really? Well, okay. It's seemingly more like uh, Joaquin. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. A little not bit. that he's super fem- feminine, but he's definitely a lot skinnier. Right. Um, but, yeah, same stuff plays out still uh, and everything. Uh, when Alexander Knox is introduced, and, again, originally seems like he does in the movie. But he okay. turns into a very different character, as I keep, and you'll see why. Um, he goes into the Gotham Globe. He meets with Vicky Vale. There's a reporter there in glasses named Clark. At one point, <laughs> it's an interesting Easter egg. Um, but in that's the, pretty funny. In the original version, Vicky Vale and Alexander Knox already know each other. Okay. In, in the movie, they just meet, but they already uh, have an established working relationship, and it's kind of already hinted that he's already kind of been in love with her, type okay. of thing. Um, she's described as a redhead, just like in the comics, and she even has a scar from her time in the Corto Maltese. Oh shit! Um, okay. She has more of a like a quick-talking personality type, very different okay. from the Kim Basinger version. So yeah. this is already a more interesting version of Vicky Vale. Uh, by the time, can you tell me? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's actually the. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, it was the <laughs> cable here. Um, Grissom shows up, um, is all worried about Harvey Dent. And is Grissom in the comics at all? Grissom's not in the comics. Okay. Grissom yeah. was who they made up, and that's why Englehart's like, that's Carl Grissom doesn't exist. He was Rupert Thorne. And I was like, okay, <laughs> fine, whatever. Um, Grissom, and this is Ham doing the whole 
Easter eggy thing says uh, he he's worried about connections to Councilman Kane and Senator Miller. References okay. to Bob Kane and Frank Miller. Um, okay. No Bill Finger. No Bill Finger in there, because I don't know if Ham knew about Bill Finger at the time. Uh, Probably did not. Yeah. Sadly. Sadly. I think uh, he'll come back on. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> the, the manor party still happens. However, um, we don't see Bruce Wayne. There's not th- there's no like Vicky Vale meeting Bruce Wayne. Like, do you know which one of these guys is Bruce Wayne? I don't know. Like, that's not in there. Okay. We start with Alexander Knox and uh, Vicky in the room. And it's Knox who's like, he must be the worthless man, most worthless man in America. And then you hear a voice say, you surprised me. Why not the world? And they turn around, they see it's Bruce Wayne, and he's described as, like, impeccably handsome, muscles upon muscles. He's also 32 years old. Like, again, I'm just like, that's not really Michael Keaton. Right. He's not, like, the final version at all. He's smooth. He's suave. Yeah. He's very much of the Playboy version. Um, He's, like, you know, Knox does the whole, like, you know, in the movie, he's like, hey, I like your work. And Knox is like, can you give me a grant? And in the original script, he's like, well, I will if you introduce me to Miss Vale. Okay. So, like, it's a very different personality. Um, same stuff happens where he goes to Ace Chemicals. Again, it's Ace Chemicals in the original script. It's turned mm-hmm. to, it changed to Axis, which is against the comics in the movie, but whatever. And he has different gadgets in the original. He has talons that are laced with toxin that knocks people out. He uses a billy club, like Daredevil at one point, but only, like, in one sequence. It's, like, it's all, like, one-offs. It's not, like, something he uses throughout. He has, like, a shuriken at one point. Like, it's all different, which they actually made. I saw it in like a magazine. Well, that, to me, the shuriken is, I wouldn't put it past him on that one. Yeah, yeah. No, the no. only thing is that would maybe, well, maybe not kill, but, you mm-hmm. know, that's pretty violent. I don't know. Right. But, yeah, I, I think I can see that. The Billy Club I don't see, though. Yeah. So he goes all out for the state with Vicky. It's not the whole, you know, we were watching the whole dining table one where he was like, I don't think I've ever been here in my life. Yeah. It's not like that at all. It is a, like, all out, they are on a yacht <laughs> named Dyflittermouse, which is oh means my the bat. Yeah. It's a little over the top, but um, he's just extremely charming and almost like too much and to the point where Vicky's like, "Is this even real?" Type of thing. Take her to the opera where like the opera singers are all like, "Is that Bruce Wayne?" And are all like jealous of of Vicky. Uh, then back to Wayne Manor, um, like Snowland type shit. Yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, Vicky takes a sip of Bruce's drink and finds out he's drinking ginger ale. Because he's like, I don't drink. One drink and I'm jumping off the rooftops. <laughs> um, he, it's interesting because I feel like Bruce Wayne would drink, right? He does drink sometimes, uh, right? It depends. Um, I mean, you would think Bruce Wayne, the billionaire playboy, would drink. But him being Batman, he wouldn't want that to mess with him. Like, there's that, there's that shot in um, that scene uh, in that, like, roof or, like, high-rise building or whatever in The Dark Knight where he... Almost takes a sip, but then he just throws he it. He throws over. it off. Yeah, yeah. And I, I always thought that was pretty cool because I wasn't as familiar with the source material at the time when I saw that as I am now. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's interesting. I never really thought about like how he just pretty much because any he's night not totally could, against it, but he's definitely not about drinking. Yeah, that he much. would have to go out. You know, yeah, like he would. Yeah. He doesn't want that to impede his system at all. Yeah. Um, Joker still does the whole uh, bandages thing. And the thing is, Sam Hamm admitted that his version of Joker is basically the Two-Face origin. Okay. It's a vain guy who gets disfigured. Even if you look at the original Two-Face comic, it has a literal scene of the doctor and then undoing the bandages. Oh, being shit. Like, this is what okay. you look like. What does it yeah. look like in the mirror? Yeah. Like, that's actually in Two-Face. Um, Jack shows up and Grissom 
uh, is pleading with him, Jack, Jack, and he's like, I don't look like a Jack anymore. You made me a Joker. And he takes off the thing, and, and that's the reveal. Um, and this still kills Joker. Oh, yeah, and, and oh, yeah, the final part of that, because in, in the final movie, he's like, call me Joker, and you can see I'm a lot happier, and just shoots him. In this version, version, Grissom's like, Jack, take that goddamn smile off your face because he's creeped out by it. And Joker's like, that's the best part. I can't. And then he, and then he kills him. That's good. I um, like that. The next morning, instead of the whole scene in the movie where Vicky wakes him up and is like, yeah, why don't we do something next weekend or something like that, she catches Bruce singing in the shower <clears throat> and she sees all these bruises on his body type of thing. So, like, different clues. Um, Alexander Knox, in the meantime, is jealous of what's going on and he looks into okay what's going on with uh bruce and he finds out he tries to dig up dirt and he can't find any dirt because bruce wayne hasn't had his finger he hasn't had his photo taken since he was a kid okay which seems weird to him so he starts digging more uh vicky and bruce don't do this whole phone tag thing of just like oh like we had a one night stand i'm in love with you but you won't call me back type of thing they're dating they're full-on dating and they go off to um on one of their dates is when um one of the the mobster and his men get killed. There's no mime sequence. They get uh, killed. They get caught in like the revolving door of a hotel or something, just like in The Godfather, mm-hmm. uh, that type of thing. Bruce literally throws Vicky into this fountain for safety and is visibly looking around, trying to find a spot to change. Okay. And he doesn't realize, and he sees the mimes killing people and then mimicking the terrified people and things like that. And he's just clearly like having a panic attack and stuff because he can't change into the suit. And Vicky's wondering what's going on, and Bruce just kind of just ignores her and runs off, type of thing. Okay. Um, and when Vicky goes over to see Alexander Knox, Knox is like, "Well, I have an explanation for that. Your boyfriend's Batman." <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is where Knox becomes a completely different character. Okay. Because she's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And this is when Knox shows the picture of young Bruce Wayne. It's like his parents were killed and everything. That's young Jim Gordon as the, as the the beat cop. I bet you anything Gordon even knows that Bruce is Batman and mm-hmm. is helping out and everything. Everything adds up. Um, and Vicky doesn't really want to believe it over here. Um, Vicky then goes off. At one point, Vicky goes to a photo shoot, and the models at that photo shoot start laughing and then die from the Smilex stuff. So those models that you see in the movie where the reporters are just like, these models died, there was actually going to be a sequence where they were, we would see them get killed. Um, That's cool. In the movie, it says like six people died from cosmetic poisoning. In the original script that Ham had, it was 72 in the first day. Okay, yeah. So uh, it would have been fucking... This Joker had a high body count. Um, as I said before... Joker goes to find Vicky in the museum, just like in the movie. However, he's not in love with her. He just wants her to document his reign of terror around the Gotham City. And um, Vicky's like, okay, well, like, it's good to see the face behind the makeup. And he's like, what are you talking about? Because he's wearing the the, um, the flesh-colored makeup. Yeah. So he actually makes her throw the water in his face. Okay. Instead of the movie where he does the whole Wizard of Oz thing, he makes her do it so that she gets to see and everything because he okay. thinks that she'll appreciate that. Um. Let's see. The same thing happens. Batman shows up to the rescue. Uh, they There's the whole alley fight, except in this version, the when the thugs shoot him down, they actually succeed in taking off his mask. Okay, all right. And they're like, do you know who this guy is? <laughs> we don't know who this guy is. Yeah, right, right. Um, and Bruce actually fights off the thugs without a mask. 
Okay. And he's so fast that nobody can do it. And Vicky's trying to take pictures of it. Okay. And she's like, I can't really see it, but maybe if I f- zoom in on the photos, mm-hmm. I can see. So Batman spends the rest of the sequence trying to get the photos. Okay. So he bargains with her about like, hey, why don't I take you to the back? Why don't you take me back to where I'm at and I'll develop those photos for you? Okay. When in reality, he just wants those photos. Um, he so they get to the Batcave and this is where it's really different he removes parts of his costume and Vicky starts seeing some familiar bruises on okay. his body um, it's almost as if Bruce is trying to tell her that he's Batman but he mm-hmm. can't sort yeah. of thing yeah um, and so she starts asking questions she's like why do you wear such a big such a big yellow symbol on your chest if you're trying to do stealth and he's like well it's so that people don't shoot me in the head <laughs> which is right out of Dark Knight Returns right um, Vicky's like how did you find this place and Bruce is like I found it when I was a boy Mind you, this is around the same time that Dark Knight Returns came out mm-hmm. um, with that idea. And he says flat out, he says, they used to terrify me, but I forced myself to keep coming back. And I guess I became what I feared the most. Yeah. That's like, yeah. That was... It was like begins, right? Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Um, he's hinted that he's hacked into the FBI to help him on the Joker case and develops the photos for Vicky. Uh, but he's almost, he's a little bit more talkative than the version of Batman in the movie. But she starts seeing familiar beats of it and it it basically tells her, okay, this is obvious. This is is Bruce Wayne and everything. Um, And when he knocks her out to take her home, she elects to do that. In the movie, there's those undertones of like, did he do something to her? But in in this one, she likes, she likes to knock herself out because he's like, I can't like let you know where, um, how we got here. Right. Sort of thing. Yeah. So she has that agency to do that. And so, I'm sure the girls reading this would or listening to this would appreciate that. Um, yeah. And when she gets knocked out, she has a dream about Bruce's parents, and this is replaces that flashback okay. of uh, Bruce's parents getting killed. This is, in Ham's version, it was never the flashback of "You killed my parents" because Joker was the same age as Bruce. She right. sees Bruce's parents getting killed, and then she sees um, Bruce Wayne being hugged by Officer Gordon, except his face is turned away. Uh, and then she sees Bruce and young Gordon sort of look at her almost like threatened or angry at her. And she realizes that she's in the dream, the one taking the picture, the iconic picture of, mm-hmm. of Bruce and young Gordon. Um, and then she wakes up and she's like, okay, absolutely. Obviously Bruce is Batman, uh, type of thing. Um, Joker sends the whole stock market into turmoil. We see Bruce and Wayne foundation and everything tries to talk to Vicky as Batman over the phone until someone walks in and calls him Bruce. It was kind of a funny beat. <laughs> but oh it's, he's, at that point, he knows that she knows. Uh, at that point. Um, Harvey and Gordon talk to the mayor because at this point, Joker has killed 786 people. Jesus, with Smilex. With Smilex. And so the mayor tries to negotiate with the Joker through the TV. Um, and the mayor is like, we'll give you $10 million. And Joker is <laughs> like... $10 million, and then he yells, you cheapskates, I've just wiped out the stock market, I cost you billions, and then he calms down a bit, and he's like, I want $10 million and one. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, it was almost like the Mark Hamill type of personality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with his Joker. Um, but everyone's like, okay, uh, how do we stop this guy? And finds out, like, he doesn't care about money, he doesn't care about anything, type of thing. And Alexander Knox sees this, and he goes to Wayne Manor, and he says on the intercom, like, hey, I'm here to see Bruce Wayne, and Alfred says, Bruce, you know, Master Wayne's not here. Mm-hmm. And Knox says, okay, I'm here to say Batman. <laughs> and he okay. walk, and nothing happens. He walks away, and he see, and behind him, the gates of Wayne Manor start opening. And he shows up in the house. 
And he tells Bruce, um, hey, uh, I know your secret. And uh, you need to stop being Batman. And you need to stop seeing Vicky Vale. Or I'm going to reveal your secret. And basically blackmails Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, what kind of future do you think you're even going to have with her? Like, what, you guys going to have, like, little bat children and things like that? <laughs> like, okay. And Bruce is like, why are you doing this? And Knox is like, because I've always been in love with her type of thing. And Knox is kind of set up as, like, if Batman didn't exist, she would be with Knox. Okay. Type of thing. Yeah. Um, so Bruce then goes to Vicky's apartment as kind of like a goodbye sort of thing because he, he wants to agree with. And what? this is this was rewritten in the scene where he was about to tell her right, but who in this, he was in the original version. She already knew. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So he's like, "I gotta, I gotta do this," and she's like, "Why do you?" And everything, you know, I'm devoted to the city. Then a package arrives. Okay, yeah. And Bruce is like, "I gotta examine it," and he pulls out the utility belt, and she's like, "You, you brought that?" And he's like, "I feel naked without it, just like you feel naked without a camera." Uh-huh. Uh huh. And he opens it up, and it's full of wax ears or something like that, and like there's a message with it. And um, basically, the Joker's—it's a sign saying, "Like, hey, like, get ready with your camera because I'm coming, because I want you right. to document what I'm going to do." Right. Um, so Bruce uses uh, the utility belt weapons on the thugs who are coming for her, and then he takes one of Vicky Vale's nylons, puts it over his face, and starts chasing after the truck that that uh, Joker's in. Um, and uh, he steals like a cop's um, horse and goes on horseback to go after it. And okay. meets up with Alfred, who tosses him the bat suit. He gets changed to the bat suit, and now it's Batman on horseback chasing after Joker. There's a whole new action sequence in this that wasn't in it before, which then leads to Joker uh, heading towards you know. There's this whole Gotham birthday anniversary celebration thing. There's a circus act. Okay, here we go. <laughs> they wanted Robin right they really at the very end, huh? They did, and Sam Hamm and Burton were like, "How the hell do we put this in? Because this doesn't really fit our story. Right? This is the best they could do." So Joker crashes crashes into a fireworks truck, and the fireworks uh, basically set off right onto the trapeze act, and that's what causes the uh, Graysons to fall to their death. Dick Grayson wants revenge on the Joker immediately, tries to go after them, and uh, Batman tries basically tries to stop this hostile kid, and Joker then brings up like, well, if it weren't for you, uh, I wouldn't be doing any of this. And Batman's like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, don't you recognize me? I'm Jack Napier. Because Batman, okay. this version didn't know, and now Batman is like riddled with guilt in the fact that he didn't he created the Joker. Okay, yeah. So that's good. Um, he realizes that they're the same person. He uh, adopts Dick Grayson and Wayne Manor, and then he goes to Harvey Dent. Okay, and he says tells Harvey like you gotta like he's at Ace Chemicals. This is where he's doing all this stuff. You need to go in. And Dent's like how how do I how do you how am I supposed to tell people that like some billionaire playboy knows all this stuff? I don't have your quote unquote expert sources, which is a subtle clue that maybe Harvey Dent knows that Bruce is Batman too in this <laughs> worst kept secret in Gotham at this point. Uh, I know in this version at least. Yeah. Um, Dick Grayson tries to leave Wayne Manor. Bruce Wayne's like, you can't because you're going to get yourself killed trying to kill the Joker. And so Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne fight in Wayne Manor. And Alfred hears the ruckus and bursts into the room with a gun. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and Dick sees what's going on and he sees how Bruce has fought and he's like, oh, now I know who you are. <laughs> type of thing. Oh my God. So everybody's figuring it Everyone's out. Everyone's figuring it out. Um, and uh, Joker has this whole, I don't know, I don't remember if it's a telecast or anything, but he's speaking about like how he's going to keep remaking Gotham in his image because he was disfigured so he's trying to disfigure everyone else. 
uh, and speaking to a whole room full of corpses. Everybody's dead. It's not just the, the dude he electrocuted in the final movie. It's a whole room full of them. One corpse like falls over, and he's like, look, we got them all rolling in the aisles. Oh, my God. <laughs> I li- so I, that, That's creepy enough. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Um, Bruce sleeps with Vicky one last time <laughs> and admits his guilt and feeling like, you know, he's, he's like, I felt like I never really was Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne was something I inherited type of thing. Mm. Um and now I have to do what I got to do. So he goes down to the back cave and he makes this device as like a timer. And he tells Alfred, he's like, you know, you need to raise this kid the way that you raised me type mm-hmm. of thing. And Alfred seems like he's on the verge of tears because Batman at this point is going on a suicide mission to take the, down the Joker. Uh, and, he, and he thanks Alfred at the end. He doesn't, he doesn't specify what for, but you can kind of guess what that is. Um, and he has this weird scene of like the timer's going off and he's like meditating. He's almost like, his process. Keaton even filmed a version of this. He said, where he's like has to do this meditation to become Batman. And he's that like, would be very interesting footage to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he's like, he has that meditation. The timer comes up and his eyes open, but they're the eyes of someone else. Um, and then you cut to Ace Chemicals, where Batman attacks with a Batmobile. Except in the original script, apparently, when he's about to blow it up, he gives the thug some time to run out before it gets blown would have made a lot more sense yes, it would have it would have been a lot better that way yeah <laughs> um the celebration continues except it's not a parade it's just like it's the unveiling of the lady gotham statue which is kind of like the statue of liberty except uh it has a joker grin on it okay yeah that would have been awesome yeah um uh Knox and vicky are in the crowd and they realize like all these balloons have like this gas in it and things like that we have to tell batman because batman's coming in the bat wing and everything what do we do and Knox is like, I got an idea. So he crashes into, he, he loots this one store with a cape. And he goes to a spotlight and he puts the cape over the spotlight. And Batman's flying the Batwing and he sees uh, the spot, one of the spotlights has his symbol on it, the bat symbol on it. And that's, Knox creates the bat signal in the right. original version. Um, like what, what, in the Burton one, I always thought it was like a little bit, unnecessary almost that he goes so far high to to where he, the the bat wing is in front of the moon because mm. he's already let go of the balloons <laughs> right. and shit at this point <laughs> this is straight up i think he's just, just trying to gain momentum or something is that what it was i think that's what it was because he was trying to zoom back in or something i don't know but like it, going like in with free fall <clears throat> but the, for what purpose though I, I don't know but in the original version it's very different like i don't think that even happens yeah in it uh but nox does the signal Batman knows where to go, and yeah. then Joker catches Knox doing that, and he sends the thugs. So the thugs shoot after Knox. Knox goes into Vicky's car. Vicky drives away, and Knox is exhilarated because he's like, I can't believe I just did that. This must be what Bruce Wayne feels like. And then he starts coughing up blood, and he realizes he's been shot, and he dies in front of her. Um, so Knox kind of has his own full arc, almost, of becoming an anti-hero and then redeeming himself in a way. Okay. Very different from the final movie. Yeah. Um. Joker emerges then through one of the float. He emerges with a tank. <laughs> and you know, uses... that would have been kind of interesting to see like a Joker tank versus yeah. the bat wing. Yeah. And yeah. He, that, it's the tank in the original version that shoots down the bat wing. It makes more sense that than that fucking yeah. gun. <laughs> like, I know that's a fun gun, but to take mm-hmm. down a whole plane mm-hmm. like that, that gun looks like it's just like a regular gun with regular bullets with a long barrel. That's all it is. Yeah. No, seriously. You know? So, uh, he shoots down the Batwing. Batwing crashes. Uh, thugs are about to attack the Batwing and see if make sure Batman is dead until they hear a voice say, yo. 
And they turn around. And yo? Rob, yeah, it says it's oh, a little Robin, yo. Yeah, it's Robin. Yeah, yeah, okay. And Ro- Robin uh, takes them out. Uh, doesn't kill them. He just knocks them out. And he, he helps Batman out of the, the Batwing. And he steals one of the... But Batman is like really fucked up right now because of the crash. Okay. Yeah. And Robin's like, hold on right here. I'm going to end this. And he takes the gun from one of the thugs. And Batman's like, you can't. And Robin's like, try to stop me. And so he shoots after the Joker in the cathedral. But Batman throws one of the shurikens at him, and which was laced with like a thing to knock him out. And so Robin falls, you know, falls unconscious. And I like that. Yeah. I like this part. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Uh, Joker is basically like, all right, I need to get out of here. Have the helicopter meet me at the top of the cathedral because all these people are converging, converging on the cathedral because uh, they saw me go in. Again, not in the final film, but it makes yeah, more sense. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, I like yeah. this. Yeah, uh, Batman is so fucking fucked up. Like he's he goes unconscious. He nearly falls to his death, um, and everything. And um, Joker ends up finding uh, his unconscious body. And it's like, oh, look at this! And he drags him up. And again, the Vicky Vale was not in the cathedral. Right. The final right. version. Uh, look at this! And he unmasks him. And he says, "Oh, Brucey." you're the rich boy aren't you um and uh he says we're both murderers and batman's like i'm not a murderer like you and joker's like really think of all the people you've killed by letting me live so they're introducing that whole idea right way Which in is, the beginning yeah it's a paraphrase of the dark knight returns yeah uh and joker's like all right it's nighty night and he's about to kill him and batman uh is like kind of like not so fast and he sees that timer device that he was using earlier he's starting it and Joker sees it and realizes it's a bomb. And Batman's going to blow, blow up both him and him and Joker. Okay. And Joker panics and starts running around. Batman's like, what? No sense of humor now? Yeah. Because <laughs> now it's Batman, the one who's laughing. Right. And it's Joker, the one who's freaking out. And Joker sees the helicopter. And he's like, you know, he, he, ru- he rushes for the helicopter. But as he rushes for the helicopter, um, Batman initiates a ev- device that has the bats come out of the belfry. And the bats uh, swarm around Joker, and they cause the Joker to fall to his death. Wow. Okay. And Batman has the timer, has the bomb, and he has a choice whether he wants to continue living because he's already defeated the Joker. Does mm-hmm. he still? Can he still live? Can he still have a chance at an ordinary life with Vicky? And he makes his choice. He decides he wants to live, so he throws the bomb at the helicopter, and the helicopter explodes, and we cut to Joker on the ground, and he's dying, and he's got the smile on his face as he sees fireworks. <laughs> in the oh, sky yeah. from the bomb of the helicopter blowing up yeah, and then the smile fades as he dies um, the shooting script was a little different the shooting script had um, Joker not fall because of the bats it had Joker nearly about to fall because of the bats in the helicopter and Batman rushing after him and Joker pulls that seems like he's about to fall and he grabs Batman and he's like and he says because in the final script there was the whole dance with the devil with a pale moon light yeah he grabs Batman and he says, I saved the last dance for you. And oh, he, shit. he brings both of them off the cathedral. Oh, shit. And he's laughing as they're both going down. Oh, and shit. And Batman has to use the grappling. They're basically fighting and Batman has to save himself with a grappling hook. Okay. Which I thought would have been pretty fucking cool. Yeah, that would have been better, yeah. Yeah. So both of these would have been uh, better. Um, Vicky Vale leaves flowers at Knox's grave and says, I loved you too. Uh, and uh, at Wayne Manor, uh, Bruce Wayne is recuperating at the pool because he got really fucked up from the whole thing. Yeah. And Vicky Vale says, you you know, you saved everyone. Well, you know, nearly everyone yeah. of Knox and everything. And Bruce is like, this might sound insane, but you saved me uh-huh. uh, type of thing. So uh, it kind of fulfills Ham's intention of having it so that Bruce Wayne is a guy who's insane, who turns sane. 
sort of it and wants to live at the end um it's hinted at the end what dick grayson's future is because he's in the back cave and he sees these suspended bars above like the chasm okay and he jumps and he basically starts training and at the end the bat signal is a real thing and it's batman and robin standing over the city okay so other than the robin stuff though like yeah it's a different version of joker Bruce Wayne is way more fleshed down. Right. Figgy Vale is a much more interesting character. Right. Alexander Knox has a, more of a purpose to be in it. Right. But that's the original vision. That was the original version. Uh, that but they were like, like that's that scene where, just to go back to the scene where he's about to reveal that he's Batman to Vicky Vale, mm-hmm. that was written the day of, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah, because it was never really supposed to be that. Right. As you can see, the original version of that was him saying goodbye to Vicky because... Knox was kind of blackmailing him, and he, mm-hmm. he, you know, everything was going against him. He didn't really know what to do. Right. So very different. Um, I'm going to fan cast this one as well. <laughs> okay. To, Let's do this, it. Um, this version of Robin is very much the rebellious type, someone around 17 or 18, perfect age for it at the time. River Phoenix. Yeah. Pre Indiana yeah. Jones Last Crusade. Uh, Alexander Knox. Again, this version is someone who you would have to see as like the leading man if Batman didn't exist mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, my version of Vicky and Bruce are very young. So okay. uh, I'll go with someone young, and I picked Emilio Estevez because he's someone who has the dramatic chops, can play the comedic side That's of for, it. For Knox. For, no, for this version of Knox, who yeah, yeah, yeah. has that arc and stuff and isn't just the comic relief that Robert Wool's version had. Okay. Uh, Harvey Dent. Um Burton cast Billy Dee Williams because he hinted in the commentary in 89 that he had the idea that when the acid hit Dent's face, mm-hmm. it would make his skin turn white on that side. Yeah. So you'd have a black and white thing. And I kind of yeah. like that idea. Yeah. I feel like Burton would have still cast an African-American actor. So right. if I were to cast someone other than Billy Dee in 1987 or yeah. so, yeah, Denzel. Yeah. He was a breakout star of St. Elsewhere in 82. The part of Dent was small enough that WB probably wouldn't have cared about giving it to his TV actor right, right, without right. really knowing that he would need to be the main villain in a future one. Right. And Denzel was around like 33 or so, so he would have been the perfect age. Uh, Gordon was a small part. It was a really small part, so I wasn't going to cast anybody like Eastwood mm-hmm. or anything like that. You'd need someone who was like a veteran, but not like a headliner at the time, which is what Pat Hingle was. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a little left field, but I got Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> okay. But this is like diagnosis murder, Dick Van Dyke. But not with the uh, Mary Poppins uh, no, not British the, accent. No, not the Mary Poppins version. <laughs> this is the diagnosis like the white-haired dude. And okay, everything. so not a okay. Gotcha. All you right. know, um, he's not in it that much. At one point, he's like smoking a cigar and things like that. But he's not that different from what we saw in the final movie. Okay, this is just what if I was casting in 1987, uh, Alfred? I have. Star of future Star Trek The Next Generation, Patrick Stewart at the time. Okay. Um, he would have been a more comic book looking choice, uh, yet still true to casting the fact that it's not that big of a role, so he wasn't mm-hmm. that big of a British actor at the time. Uh, Vicky Vale, again, uh, my Batman is pretty young, so I had to find somebody in her 20s at the time. Uh, Robin Wright was just off the heels of Princess Bride, so I could kind okay. of see that. Yeah. Uh, I was debating Nicole Kidman, but she wasn't even in the movies around 1987, so I didn't pick that. Uh, Now we go into Joker and Batman, and here's where things might get a little controversial, because with Joker, he's supposed to be a 32-year-old dude, somewhat Mm pretty-ish, intense eyes and everything. Yeah. Um, 
as much as I think William Dafoe is the best Joker casting that never happened, he doesn't quite fit the Jack Napier that's being described in the script. Right, right, right. I wouldn't really describe him as a, as a uh, pretty boy. Sam Hamm had a choice that he revealed in an interview, and when I heard it and I went and read the script, I realized that this actor was kind of who he pictured playing the role in the original mm-hmm. version, and that's Ray Liotta. Okay. If you've seen him in uh, Goodfellas, he has an interesting laugh yeah. uh, to that. He's played a gangster. He plays a gangster eventually in, in Goodfellas in, in, in 1990. That's a good pick. I, I, yeah. like, that. I um, like that. If you've seen Something Wild with Jeff Daniels, he plays this ex-con lunatic who basically tries to kill everybody at the end sort of thing. Very intense eyes and everything. I can see him as Jack Napier uh, in the original vision, uh, which leads to Batman. And this might be as controversial of a choice now as Keaton was at the time, but I'm like, Burton was someone who wasn't physically imposing, but still a leading actor. Ham wanted somebody who was intense, intensely handsome, yet also could be a lunatic. And I'm like, who do I know? Or who do we know? Who's a leading man, not too physically imposing, and is kind of psychotic. So my vision when I read the script isn't Michael Keaton as Batman. It's Tom Cruise. <laughs> Which seems crazy, but On you have to think about side, it. the shorter side, though. Keaton was also short. Like he, like, How tall is Keaton? Keaton is like 5'10". Yeah, but Tom Cruise is like 5'4". Literally. No, he's like 5'7". 5'7". <laughs> five, five, well, uh, they would still like cheat it and things like that. Like yeah. Here's the thing. like You can still use movie magic, but I'm going off of like that scene where the whole like a lot of the all the things that are in the script of him being somewhat unhinged or even even though it's not in the original script the whole let's get nuts scenes I can see Cruz do that I can see Cruz doing that part that ver- yes. it's this version of Batman he's like yeah. these aren't my like ideal choices these are my choices for this version of it yeah 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 and if the idea is like this guy is just as much of a lunatic as the Joker I can see that playing off that dynamic of intensity playing off of Tom Cruise or Ray Liotta um, okay. At the time, yeah. it would have been a weirder yeah. movie. And I'm not, you know, there's no diss to Keaton and Nicholson, but what's described in the script is not Keaton or Nicholson's version. It's very much two very intensely handsome guys who are flat out psychotic and trying to right. trying to fight and trying to kill each other. Right, right, right. Type of thing. In which case, I envisioned something very different. So um, those are my picks. That was the original Sam Ham version. Just to give you guys an idea of who was originally offered for stuff, um, they actually did ask William Dafoe, uh, but for Batman, weirdly enough, they always get this shit wrong. <laughs> um, they considered him. Sam Ham wanted him for Joker, but the studio offered Batman to Dafoe. They also offered Ray Liotta for Batman. <laughs> Again, I'm just like these are the, these are the Joker choices. Come Wasn't on, Alec guys. Baldwin like a top choice for people at the time? People say it, but they never it's never really been confirmed. It's like like everybody wants John Hamm now, but it's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know who was offered though was Pierce Brosnan to be Batman? Yeah, which is like I can see Bruce Wayne, but I don't know about the suit. Um, a British actor named Bruce Payne. <laughs> what? Was also <laughs> <laughs> because the studio is like Bruce Wayne, Bruce Payne, maybe that'll be cool. And that's this the only is the reason. Dumbest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> well, right. aren't we glad we got what we got? Keep going. Uh, with Joker, <laughs> Sam Ham said that Defoe was someone that he thought would be good. He also considered Bowie. Uh, Not a bad choice and at all. James Woods said, "quote unquote" would be good. Wouldn't need any makeup, which would save a couple of hours work every morning. 
which is a weird thing to say because I don't really think James Woods has pale skin, but stupid and also yeah. james wood is a fucking maniac now. yeah do you well, know about him i on don't twitter yeah well i mean again twitter didn't wasn't around in 1987 so he might not have been as crazy <laughs> we're then going either. yeah we're going off of what they knew of the guys i um, know i know brad dorff the guy who played chucky claims that burton wanted him for the part of joker but the studio wanted someone bigger okay um well Euston also wanted from the beginning he wanted he wanted uh, nicholson nicholson right yeah yeah um and then Nicholson was very um, skeptical about taking the part. So uh, apparently they tried to make offers to other actors to try to sort of entice Nicholson and be like, well, this offer is going away because we're offering it to Robin Williams. And They, they also, did offer it to him. They did offer it to Robin Williams, really? and they offered it to Tim Curry, according to Sam Hamm. I wouldn't put it past him, yeah. 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 So supposedly Tim Curry even got paid to be offered and not actually be in the movie. Really? According to Hamm. Um, that happened to him again with the fucking animated series, didn't it? Uh, yeah, they did. So he's never gotten to play the Joker. I don't think he ever will, unfortunately. That's fucking ridiculous. Um, Vicky Vale was originally Sean Young from Blade Runner. Okay. She literally was on the set and got injured, and they had to replace her. Really? Yeah. So Basinger was a last-minute addition. Basinger was a last-minute addition, just like Michelle Pfeiffer was last-minute addition in Batman Returns. It was originally Annette Bening. I did not Returns. know that. Yeah. Well, but, Pfeiffer fucking killed that shit. Yeah, she did. I can't really see Benning in that in that version. Yeah, Pfeiffer fucking swung so, for the fucking fences it, on it that worked shit. Out. Yeah, no, in the in the shooting script, there was going to be this whole scene at the stables with Vicky Vale on horseback, and then when they shot it, Sean Young got injured on the horse. That's why it's like the first thing they were shooting was his horse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Which is dumb, but you know. So whatever. they that was. They liked that horse shit so much that was going to stay in the that was going to be in Batman eighty nine. It was going to be there was going to be Vicky Vale and Bruce Wayne on horses, which would then tie in later when Bruce Wayne steals a horse to go after Joker and everything. And then you watch the final movie and there's not a horse in sight. <laughs> so it's probably for the best. Yeah, I mean, I think they said they were somewhat influenced by uh, the Dark Knight Returns because he's on horseback, but because that's because the power's out because there's an EMP. Right, right, um, right. Lastly. Um, Supposedly, they did cast Robin by a young actor named Ricky Addison Reed, who was Irish and in the movie Return to Salem's Lot. Um, but he wasn't the only actor who was offered. They supposedly offered it to Kiefer Sutherland, who was like, get the fuck out of here, because he was picturing the 60s show. Um, How old was he at the time? This was around, this was like before Lost Boys. So he would have been like Chris O'Donnell type. <laughs> um, yeah, right, right. You know, uh, they did hold old, open auditions though uh, and I didn't find this out until recently because it was revealed on a talk show but two Boston boys tried to audition for it and thought they got it and that was, that was Matt Damon and Ben Affleck what really yeah Ben Affleck revealed that on a talk show that they both auditioned to be Robin in Batman 89 they both thought they got it and then they cut Robin from the movie <laughs> so Affleck could have been Robin holy shit yeah because they were both acting at the time. They were both in stuff. Affleck was in like this. I remember growing up, they showed us this 80s like TV show that young Affleck was part of. So, Shit, like, I did not know any of this. This is amazing. It, it could've, it, we could have seen Ben Affleck as Robin to Michael Keaton. <laughs> it's oh insane if you think God. about it. So this those are the original. insane history, isn't it? Yeah. So these are all, there's a bunch of stuff that other people talk about, you know, like the whole Alec Baldwin thing, but I've never really found... Like, everything that I listed off was from the direct sources. 
So I think Alec Baldwin was like this fan pick among nerds at the yeah. time. I don't think there was really. Any I don't even like think studio. He was, thing is, like, I don't. I think he's ner- He's a nerd pick in hindsight more so because he hadn't done Hunt for Red October. Yeah. The biggest thing that he had done at that time was Beetlejuice, which doesn't really display him as right a Batman right. type. It wasn't until really the Shadow that people could see like, oh, I could see him as Batman. Right, so right, right, right. I would pick him as like a. 2020 hindsight choice for Batman Forever as a replacement for Keaton, but I don't really see him getting offered it in 89. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my history of all the different versions of the movie. Some stuff I'm glad we didn't get, and other stuff I'm kind of sad that it's not in the final movie. So Robin was really a last minute cut. Robin was, yeah. Um, yeah, to the point where they had even cast somebody to to be part of it. If so, so this is sounding like if it's true that Burton really didn't want Robin ever from the beginning, mm-hmm. he was just going to go with it for the longest time, yep. and and shoot it. But then when it didn't, I guess something happened like last seconds. Like I think there must have been some shoot. conversation. Like, well, I guess you are finally getting what you want. Yeah, or something, I mean you the know? sequence that's a, in all versions of the script. There's an action sequence after the apartment scene. <laughs> The apartment scene at Vicky okay. Vale's place, um, right? Even right up to the final shooting script, where there is no Robin. There's still a sequence where um, there's like an unveiling of a statue, but it's like a giant Joker statue, and the Joker takes the mayor hostage and everything. It was really not. I read it and I thought it was stupid, but um, the compared to the original version with the Robin thing, uh, but I think it's because they cut that sequence. Or just like, okay, we don't have to do this. But what's cool is that when they did a reissue of the DVD. Uh, they still had the storyboards. They storyboarded that sequence out. Okay. And you can find it on YouTube, but it's animated, and they got Kevin Conroy to voice what? Bruce really? Wayne and Mark Hamill to voice the Sam Ham Joker. This is fucking nuts, man. <laughs> this is why we're doing this podcast, because I'm like, holy shit. I know a lot of different versions of retrospective and B89 would be just like, oh, yeah, like we respect 89 because it started it, and it's not as good as Nolan's, but whatever. Like I wanted, like, here's some new info that like not a lot of people talk about. Uh, right. Last thing to add, because I was telling this to Andrew earlier, but I want this on the record. Uh, Alan Moore was consulted on this movie. Uh, Burton had lunch with him. Sam Hamm talked to him or whatever. Moore sort of had this sort of weird conversation of wanting to make sure that Hamm had read The Killing Joke um, and everything, and to which Hamm admitted that he lifted a few lines from Killing Joke into the script. What lines there were, I don't know. It must have been a draft that I didn't read because the okay. draft that I read was before Killing Joke was published. Right. Um uh, and Moore had told Burton, like, you know, get Gotham right and everything. And this was before Moore was anti-Hollywood, so it's kind of cool to know that he was part of it, but it's such a little-known fact. It's published out there. I've read it in, in several different sources, but nobody really talks about it. Are there is there anything else, like the, the, the details of their meeting? Um, Not that I can remember, but I do have a computer in front of me, so I could easily <laughs> look it up right now. But... Um, other than that, I mean, we have to we have to keep in mind that this was written at a time where uh, year one, I mean, Dark Knight Returns was just coming out. Year one was in script form. Killing Joke was in script form. So you can't really fault the movies for not really having it because it was so new at the time. Um, yeah, it says, yeah, in a Guardian article, it says Tim Burton took Moore to lunch to pick his brains about making the first Batman movie. Moore's advice was get Gotham City right. Let me see if I can find another thing from another source. Um, it's interesting. That's the most important thing for for more. Yes. Yeah. Um, more. Um, 
had discussions with Burton and screenwriter Sam Hamm. This is from uh, the Virgin Film Series 2002 book, Tim Burton, by Jim Smith and J. Clive Matthews. It says, I told them to make it dark and serious and exercise as an exorcist. Exercise the ghost of Adam West. Um, let's see. Quote is taken from an interview that he did entitled Murder He Wrote for Hot Dog Magazine. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. So those are the main those are the main things. Not a lot, not a ton of details, but uh, it is interesting to know that considering how anti-Hollywood Moore is. But I think part of it's also because like Moore doesn't like what they're doing of his original works. Like right. Killing Joke isn't really some one of his favorite things. So he's probably just like, whatever, Batman's Batman. It's not he didn't my character. Batman. Yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah. It's not my character. I just think it's an interesting tidbit that nobody really talks about. That's cool. When it comes to the movie. But yeah. Moore is famously kind of a hermit. That's true. So yeah. did they fly to England just to have a well, lunch with Moore? No, because the majority of this production was in England. So they're just already there. They were already yeah, there, that's yeah. True. yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. There's a lot of English actors in this movie pretending to be Americans. Uh, the Gotham City set was on Pinewood, the same set where they shoot the James Bond movies. And Star Wars now. And right? Star Wars, yeah. yeah. And and British kids snuck, you can find this online, they snuck onto the Gotham City set. And, and took a like, whole, oh, shit. yeah, and they whole took a whole bunch of pictures over there, and you can see the original Joker statue from the from the cut scene. I'm really, describing. yeah, uh, it was. You can see this like statue of a bearded dude in the movie. Yeah, that's supposed to be of John T. Gotham, the like founder of Gotham, and they were originally going to unveil like a different statue later on, and Joker would reveal like, oh, it's actually a Joker statue type of thing. But then they cut that. There were so many things that were written or rewritten or cut and everything. Um, as I mentioned before, Kim Basinger was John Peters' girlfriend, so there was no way she was not going to be in the final sequence. So Kissing the Joker's arm or whatever. Yes. like Apparently that was influenced because Burton and Peters, I think, went to the Phantom of the Opera on Broadway at the time because that was still, that got released in 89. That was, that debuted in 89 and they were influenced by some part of the finale or whatever because it got to the point where Jack Nicholson is walking Kim Basinger up the stairs and he's right. like, wait a minute, why am I doing that again? And Burton's like, I'll explain later. Like they, that was how like on the fly some of the stuff was, even though they had a completed script that was perfectly good. That's and I just described nuts, it to you. Man. Yeah. They had so many, completed a lot of it good. is yeah. like without a lot of character work. Right. You know, which is why it's like, it's, this is when watching this movie, I can't help but feel like, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of nostalgia for it. It's responsible for our fandom, but also like, what if the original Sam Hamm version didn't get hit by the writer's strike? What if the studio just let that one happen? What if it it got to be the whole more character-driven version? We would see a lot of di- people's careers would be different. I doubt right. that we would have gotten to see, Like, maybe they still would have kept Jack Nicholson, but maybe it wouldn't have been Keaton. Or maybe it would have still been that cast, but it, they would have played up different aspects more. We don't know. Um, but it, it's what ended up happening was a very more studio-interfered movie. Um that you know, it's kind of, in some ways it's a shame that the original versions didn't come to light when it came to when it came to how character based that was, right, right. and we didn't really get that until Nolan came around, really. Right. Yeah. No one knew how to do that. It seems like. Yeah. Or no one really thought to approve that. Right. Or thought that was important, or whatever. It was all about uh, you know action sequences or 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 things like that, and the the character stuff that I described to you in the original Ham version was just not there anymore in the final cut, which is a shame. Well, holy shit, man. (laughs) That is my, yeah, so that's my big retrospective on all the different 
versions that came up. Uh, all of these were basically, you can find a majority of these online. Um, the Sam Ham, there's many Sam Ham interviews. There's a site called 1989batmanmovie.com where you'll find a majority of these interviews where I picked up some of that information. Um, some stuff that is kind of obscure because people don't talk about this movie in terms of the making of it that much compared to like the Nolan stuff. So it's been kind of overshadowed in recent years, but yeah, exactly. As as a movie that I've been watching my whole life, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting to hear these other takes and to see where where things went. Like the you know the the scene in Vicky Vale's apartment and and things like that. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's a shame that it happened, but like it's kind of cool to think what if and sort of do your own fan cast that type of stuff. So. Years to uh, 30 years of 89 or 40 years if you count the, all the development stuff. And who knows what other stuff will be uncovered as we keep going further and further into history. Was there anything else added or taken away, rather, mm-hmm. from that scene where the Joker is cutting the pictures? Do you know anything? It was originally you were going to see files from like the CIA or something. It was actually a nerve toxin that he stole from the government. Okay. Uh, and it was going to, you'd see pictures of animals with smiles, like monkeys and everything. It was really disturbing. That would have been very disturbing. And yeah. instead of the final image being him waltzing around because he's in love, he wasn't in love in the original version. Okay. He was cutting pictures of Corto Maltese and putting it into a collage over a map of the city or pictures of the city. Oh, that's, that's kind of fucked up. That yeah. was the image that he wanted to convey. And it's all so that that Corto Maltese subplot, or I don't even you know call it a subplot in this movie, but... That factor of the story was much bigger. It, yeah, it played was, into Joker's everything. Yeah, because like if if Vicky Vale didn't go to the Corto Maltese and take those pictures, he wouldn't be interested in her. Right. Yeah. It's at the every, same everything time, revolves around that. At oh. the same time, Bruce Wayne wouldn't be as interested in Vicky because he saw some he sees some depth into her because she's seen tragedy, she's seen violence right, and everything like right, that up right. close, and he relates to that, which is why she stands out to him. This is not in the movie at all. Or, I mean, you have to read into it or know that before going in. I'm glad I asked this question. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you did too because I'm, I'm, this is a whole different draft that I'm sure I forgot some things or far, you know skipped over some things. I, I asked about that because that scene also, looking back, or just watching it now before mm-hmm. we recorded this, something about it seems not quite as done professionally or it, all, it seems like it might have been shot second unit or something. You know, like there's, Maybe, I yeah. don't know what it is. Maybe I'm thinking about it too much, but it seems, I don't know what it is, man, but it just seems more amateurish than the other parts of the movie. Uh, I've never really thought that. I mean, to me, when I, whenever I watch this movie, what stands out to me are the Vicky apartment scene, in the cathedral fight, but the Vicky apartment scene more than ever, because it just feels like it's from a, almost from a different movie. But yeah, now that I know yeah, yeah. The, what was originally written, I kind of have to excuse it because it's like, all right, they for whatever reason, they scrapped the original version right. and you guys kind of had to write stuff on the day of. I wouldn't be surprised if Keaton just improvised the whole you want to get nuts thing. That, <laughs> yeah. and But when you explained to me that he wanted to draw the fire to him, that shit makes a lot of sense. I don't think I really like fully right. got that until the, you said that. In the shooting script... Um, Joker does show up. It's a very different, really written scene, but Joker still does show up, uh, and Batman still has the utility belt uh, because he used the utility belt still to open the the box full of wax ears or dead flowers, which are, depending which version you're reading. And he puts the gun to, to Bruce, and he pulls the trigger, and the bang flag shows up. Okay. 
and you know Bruce breathes a sigh of relief. And then later on, uh, when Joker kidnaps Vicky Vale because he wants her to capture what he's going to do with the mayor and everything, he turns back to Bruce and says, never rub another man's rhubarb. And then he shoots him. And then after they leave, we cut back to Bruce, and he gets up, and he sees that the utility belt caught the, the bullet. Oh, my God. So that was the original version of not that. a fucking dinner tray. Yeah, not a dinner tray at all. Okay. Uh, well, that does at least the dinner tray shows that, like resourcefulness on his part. I guess. Yeah, rather than just randomly bringing the utility belt. Um, also, it was revealed in the shooting script that the uh, the that Joker poisoned a lot of the police. Okay, which kind of yeah. explains why there's not a lot of police at the end. Yeah, right, right. It's just right. Gordon and just like a few squad cars. Oh, um, yeah. If you wanted to uh, wreak havoc, that's something that you would do, I guess. Yeah, like it gets disturbing where Joker's like laughing while he sees like j- cops on the street, just like on the ground choking. They're like the first target or one of the first targets, yeah. Yeah, so like when when Bruce first takes the the horse from the cop, the cop is like already like dying of the poison and everything, and Bruce can't do anything to save him. So he just kind of has to take the horse because he knows he has to stop the Joker. He can't do anything for the guy. Right. Type of thing, which makes it darker than the original version of Robin, but um, that was the take on it. Uh, Knox lived in the shooting script, uh, but originally Batman seemed to fall after... After that whole sequence where Joker's like, I saved the last dance for you, and they both fall off the cathedral. Right. Uh, Batman seemed to fall. Everybody flocks around the cape, and they take the cape off, and Vicky's like, what do I do? I got the camera. Let's see what happens. Gordon takes the cape off, and it's Alexander Knox. Oh, my God. And everyone's like, Alexander Knox is Batman? And he's like, what happened? And everything. And then you see, like, Keaton uh, unmasked, but with with a tunic and with the bodysuit and everything, like, kind of wrapping a coat around himself and, like, escaping as everyone else is looking at that. Oh shit! They might have shot it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they did, but it was in the comic book adaptation. But that's that's kind of another thing that didn't make it to the final movie. There's a lot of shit that didn't make it in the final movie. That like now that you know, it's like oh, that would have been really fucking cool to see. Yeah, like, you, you can visualize it too. And once you hear like a million versions, you can just put Combine together yeah. your favorite mer- version of this movie. That's what I kind of did. I have a script. <laughs> I took the Sam Ham version and then I put in different versions, different parts of the shooting script in the final movie into it. I'm just like, okay, if I want to experience this movie in a new light, which after rewatching this, I definitely need to do because I've pretty much memorized this movie backwards and forwards at this point. I should probably just yeah. reread that script from now on instead. Yeah. Well, fucking a man. Yep. This has been enlightening as fuck. <laughs> Any other final uh, thoughts? Um. The Sam Ham, if you're listening to this, uh, definitely love what you did. Uh, it's, it's a shame that what happened. Uh, one, I'll leave one final fact is that during the writer's strike, DC asked Sam Ham to write comics. Okay. So he wrote the anniversary comic for the 50 years of Batman. Um, and it was called Blind Justice. And that's where he introduced the idea that Bruce Wayne went around the world for training. And that's, that's where he introduced awesome. a manhunter uh, who trained Bruce Wayne in tracking named Ducard. Oh, shit. Okay. So, in a way, Sam Hamm still influenced what would eventually become Batman Begins. That's awesome. Even though, at the time, he had just finished writing the 89 <laughs> movie. Mankiewicz and Engelhardt are not with us anymore? or Engelhardt is still around. Mankiewicz died a few years ago. Uh, Engelhart is still around. He just has uh, he has a lot of resentment towards DC. He won't talk about it, probably. 
Oh, he will talk about it. Oh, but he'll yeah. talk about it in okay. like angry terms and everything. It's just I don't necessarily agree with him. However, I respect him as a writer. We would love to have you on, regardless, to, yeah. Mr. Englehart. And I would love to read the original treatments and, you know, prove me wrong. I know I said earlier, like, I don't see a lot of it. Prove me wrong that, like, the treatments, you know, maybe they did have more of an influence on the final movie than I thought. Superhouse could at least be a way for you to get your version out, Mr. Uh, Englehart. So... Yep. If you want to clear the air or whatever, we don't even have to agree. Indeed. Actually, I don't. I mean, I. I whatever. It's yeah. A cool interview to me. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to go toe to toe with Stephen Lawrence, but like, we'll see. Like, I. Um. I love. I love the stuff that he he wrote for the Dark Detective arc. That's what he calls it. And uh, he was partially responsible for Night of the Stalker too. Oh shit. Yeah. So uh, he's been a big influence, and he created Star Lord. Really? Yeah. Wow. So he has had a big influence that's kind of gotten... He's not as known as like the Frank Millers or the Neil Gaimans of the world, which is a shame um, because he he did you know quite a number on some of our favorite characters. Speaking of Star-Lord, quick tangent, but you know what happened to the original guy that created the Guardians of the Galaxy? Or uh, at least Rocket Raccoon, I think? Bill Mantlo? Yeah, he was like hit by a car whenever... Uh, he was like rollerblading yeah, or something. Yeah. He's been in a hospital bed for like 15, 20 years. Uh, here's the thing. Sorry to end on a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like comic book industry, it's like they own the rights to the characters, things like that, which unfortunately means that the creators who actually put in the work don't always get the benefits. Yeah. yeah. You would think somebody who created somebody as big as Rocket Raccoon would be fine in terms of financially. I mean, he probably, I mean, even if he was receiving royalties from that one character, that didn't yeah. have any fucking money probably until the movies. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's a fucking shame. I don't blame, you know, people for being resentful for it. I don't blame Englehart for being uh, resentful for it. I might disagree for the reasons why, but I'm sure there's other stuff involved that I would agree with. Uh, but unfortunately, that's kind of just how it works. It's also why, like... If I were to make my own mark on the Batman character, I would do it in a fucking movie. Because in the movie, you can at least be like, you know, okay, well, that was Ben Wan's version of Batman. Everybody right. saw it. But in a comic, you can easily forget who the writer was or anything like that. It's owned by DC. Like, there's only so much you can do. You can put your stamp on the character and still get fucked over financially later on. Yeah. From one time I heard this great, like, uh, analogy where they basically, it went like, you can fit everybody in your mom's kitchen that makes money off of comic books. <laughs> right. That actually makes, like, good money. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, there's there's just not very many. Yeah, it's a shame because they form such, like, they form the basis for these movies that are you now making millions of dollars, but these movies are only making millions of dollars because people had this material to work off of and everything. So yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, like, the Nolan movies are very much influenced by stuff written by... Um, you know, Greg Rucka or Doug Mensch or any of those guys, but they're not the ones who are, you know, famous for it. Like, you know, Dark Knight, there's so much of killing joke in terms of the philosophy of that, but like, you know, I'm sure Alan Moore's not getting anything out of it, nor does he want it. He didn't give any of his royalties from uh, Watchmen or something, right? He yeah. literally refused the money and gave it all to his co writer. That's how much Moore believes in that shit. Yeah, which is a fucking shame. But he's straight up <laughs> refused money. Mm -hmm. 
It's like, fuck you. That's fucking yeah. crazy. So, Moore's an interesting guy, man. There's a lot of bad blood there. So I'm, I love the stories, but the whole company politics, like, whatever the fuck they did, I, you know, I'm not crazy about it myself. I mean, look at what happened no, with Bill Finger, you know? Yeah. Anyway, that was sort of a side tangent. Happy 30th anniversary, Batman 89. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, any other final thoughts before we head out of here? Um, I feel like I've said most of what I want to say, but... Um, I I love reading these unproduced scripts. If you guys like to hear more and more about it, I, I have more thoughts or ideas on the way. I just got a copy of the Batman Dark Knight script. Not the Dark Knight, but Batman Dark Knight, uh, with Dark Knight being one word, by Lee... It's by Shapiro and Wise. I, don't, I forgot the first names. I think it's Bill Wise, Lee Shapiro. Um, but it was what was going to be the uh, sequel to Batman and Robin that would have tried to bring it back to its roots and would have been that the redemption good. yeah the redemption for George Clooney um, in a way and was going to have Scarecrow and Man Bat in it I think Man Bat is something they're going to do eventually that sounds yeah, I, I can see that I'll, I'll, I haven't read the script yet I'm, I'm waiting on it a little bit just to uh, I'm, I'm going to probably uh, this is the masochist enemy, but probably rewatch Batman and Robin beforehand just to see if there was uh, if there's any sort of connective tissue. Uh, I mean, with that. hear me out. If you go into that movie expecting just to see like a kind of revised, you know, Adam West uh, Batman movie. You know, if you go in with like those kind of expectations, I don't feel like those movies would be awful. You know, I you know? I the thing is I haven't seen it since ninety seven. I haven't seen since the theater myself. Yeah, so... But I, I, I kind of feel like if you just... Should we do another episode? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we, should, we, should I come back and Maybe. <laughs> oh, we need to go in order at this point. We need to see Batman Returns next. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did rewatch that already in Christmas. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, we could just do this for every movie. There's, there's Batman. I read Sam Ham's Batman 2. I read the Daniel Waters Batman Returns. I read the original version of Batman This Forever. might have to be the next step after <laughs> this, actually. But we, I think going in order is, is, is the way to go. All right, Batman 2 is next, starting with Sam Ham's Batman 2 script. I'm going to have to figure out who I would fan cast. But just to give you a preview, I think his version of Penguin would have been more traditional. And I picture Tim Curry. I'm cold-blooded. It's a different is a different penguin than that. It's very much more the traditional version. Oh man. Alright. Well, we'll I think it's time to close it out. Give um, you guys a preview next time. But yep. Yeah. The unproduced Batman. This has been an awesome series, dude. Thanks for coming on. Of course. And uh, you can catch us on patreon.com slash superhouse podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash superhouse podcast. Thank you, Shasta, for always uh, being there for us. Uh, it's only a one dollar tier. And uh, we might add tier, more tiers in the future, but for right now, it's just essentially a virtual tip jar. And um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those things. Search for Superhouse Podcast. And you obviously found the podcast if you're listening now, but uh, if you want to find us in any other formats, we're, of course, on iTunes, Google Play. We're on Spotify now, actually. Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah. I've been re-listening to my episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very easy, very easy on Spotify. Um, we're on Stitcher. We're on all that stuff, man. Every uh, Anywhere you find podcasts, you can uh, find us there. And uh, I think that's going to do it. I am Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. And you're Ben Juan Ryder, correct? That's correct. On Instagram. Mm-hmm. What about Twitter? I'm not on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't have time for that shit. Yeah. 
I'm uh, addicted to all social media. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, so <laughs> I'm always on that shit. Maybe someday I just don't like. There's been too much shit going on on Twitter and everything. I'd rather not stay be a pure, part of it. bro. Stay pure. I'll stick to. Well, that, at... I've got an interview. I got Athena, Athena Finger to come on here due to Twitter. That's true. Hey, uh, Sam Ham has a Twitter. Hey, Sam Ham. Ham? How do you spell this? Ham. H A M M. Okay, cool. Um, Big I might fan. Be doing that. Uh, I know it's probably everybody talks to you about the script, but uh, I have a full appreciation of it. I'm, I'm very curious what you think of my fan cast of this, because Cruz's Batman, I know, sounds like it's crazy, but it fits what you wrote. I'm going to send him this episode. So All right, go. let's see what happens. Slip into his DMs. <laughs> All right, this is Andrew signing off. All right, Ben signing off. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.